I mean, when we started the show, we were like, hey, let's help grow the sport in the U.S. and let's make it inclusive and welcoming. Like that was from the beginning. We're like, hey, we're going to do anything. That's our North Star. Like that's that's what we're trying to achieve is just to help grow the sport. And I think we have to change it because we're like, yeah, let's help grow the sport in the U.S. But now every time I say that, I'm like, world? Welcome to the Low Tide Boys, a swim run podcast. I'm Chip. And I'm Chris. And this is episode 150 of the show. Welcome to the Low Tide Boys. This is not Chip. This is not Chris. This is Lars. And in today's episode, the 150th, the tables are turned. And I get to deep dive with Swim Run's favorite team. In this wide-ranging conversation, we talk about their endurance journey. So let's find out what makes them tick. Without further ado, let's dive in. We're doing something really different. We're actually, we're just handing over the keys to the car to our good friend, friend of the pod, huge supporter of us, mm-hmm. Lars Fenonger, who's going to be the guest host for this episode. Welcome to the show, Lars. Guys, thank you. And today it's extra special because you get to be the folks who are being interviewed, which I know I think is uh, I I think everyone who listens is licking their chops right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny because when we first started the show way back when, I think we had a couple episodes out and you were like, Hey, do you guys want to take over our Odyssey stories? And we were like do they actually know what they're getting themselves into by doing this? And you were like, yep, have at it, Hoss. Like, have a good time. So it's funny. Now, now definitely the tables are turned because do whatever you want with this. Well, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, the swim run journey um, starts in 2018. But, um, you know, you guys always do such a great job of, of really going further back than that with, uh, with the folks who you interview. And, um, you know, we're going to have some fun today. So, uh, you know, I remember back to when you interviewed me and you've done this with others, but, you know, we want to find out a little bit more about your sporting background and your sporting journey. So, um, you know, where, where were you guys before pre-swim run? Pre-swim run. Well, this will be a good, I guess this is a good segue into how Chris and I kind of met, because I think that feels like a good, a good time to take this. So. I had um, <clears throat> I played baseball throughout uh, high school and and into junior college a little bit, and then a similar story to everybody else. You know, getting to college, no more exercise, tons of drinking, all sorts of stuff, and then finally I get another kind of bug up my ass about oh I want to get in shape, so I want to start running again. So I just started running, and it was literally like could I make it to the end of the block kind of situation. Um, and then, you know, lo and behold, nine months later, I'm like, where's a triathlon club I can go join? <laughs> I'm looking for triathlons. And um, I... He joined the wrong club. I joined the wrong club off off the bat. There's two clubs in, in San Francisco, and I joined the the wrong one. And uh, You want to name names? Yeah, the SF Tri Club. Yeah, SF Tri Club. <laughs> SF Tri yeah. Club. And, and uh, I mean, nothing wrong with them. It's just the, just the joke. Uh, and didn't really hit it off didn't make any connections there and then the next year i switched to the to to the golden gate club uh because up 
going up Hawk Hill, which is the first big hill after you go north over the Golden Gate Bridge. It's a very uh, sort of traditional triathlete cyclist uh, weekday early morning ride, you know, six o'clock out the door to a Hawk mm-hmm. Hill. It's a little 20 mile loop. You get 1500 feet of elevation, like a good way to spend 90 minutes. And I had seen Chris and one of uh, our other friends up there a few times. And finally, they they said something to me because I, I never really am that outgoing, I guess. Uh, and then Chris came over. He's like, hey, we've seen you. you like, what do you do? And they started asking me questions. And then I kind of ended up just uh, running into you more and more. I well, feel like at a couple well, events. Was, uh, so, so my recollection of it is a little bit different. So around that time, I was I would self-proclaimed king of Hawk Hill. Like <laughs> every week, I'd be on that thing doing a bunch of hill rips, regardless of conditions. Roll, rolling was, the Strava. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was crazy. All for Strava crazy. glory. Yeah, all for Strava and just like whatever. But um. But yeah, so Chipper was in the wrong club, and we had a, a mutual friend that uh, he he met at a race that we were actually at the same race we were at. It was Folsom, Folsom Swim Run. Yeah, and, a Folsom um, uh, Triathlon. Yeah, Folsom Triathlon. <laughs> yeah, right. Swim Run, that was just this year. Um, so essentially what happened was our mutual friend, AJ, he was like, oh, there's this joint Golden Gate SF Tri ride that's happening. Oh, that's right. And... Um, they were doing some ride and we all had our tri bikes and we convinced Chipper to just ride with us instead of SF tri. And we did Hawk Hill. I mean, we'd Hawk, did, we went, did we do Hawk Hill? No, I think we skipped Hawk Hill and we just did like a Tam summit on tri bikes, which is 5,000 feet Diabolical. of climbing and just really windy. <laughs> anyway, probably not advisable for a tri bike. May- but anyway, maybe, maybe, uh, okay. The uphill, but how the heck do you go downhill? Yeah, it was uh, yeah, That's a, prank, right. a lot of prank. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty yeah. sketchy, but uh, yeah. So, so from there, we basically convinced Chipper to switch clubs, and we started training for a fifty k, our first fifty k. That's together. right. Um, because AJ and me had agreed to was like, hey, what's the next stupid thing we could do? It's like, oh, first fifty k sounds like fun. It's right in our backyard. It was the North Face North Endurance, Face Endurance, Endurance 50K, Challenge. Yeah, that was twenty thirteen, I think. While back. Yeah, so well now about 10 years ago and then pretty much since then we've just i literally we found out like me and chris only live like a mile and a half away from each other in san francisco we sort of had a lot of the same races and our we just we enjoyed each other's company and our paces were the same and everything or more or less the same so we yeah, just kind of hit it off chipper and, pretty quickly became my f- absolute favorite person to ride with because it would just be like just entertainment like the whole time it was just to be back and just like go like whatever making fun of people making fun of ourselves whatever but it was just non-stop like we would do these, a lot of like, talking yeah. random like hundred mile like these century rides like on a tuesday <laughs> It'd just be like non-stop yeah, you like, also look like you'd be a pretty good wind block also. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so so we just started just riding together and stuff and just doing events together and and um you know like when he was doing his first 50 miler i paced him when i was doing mine he paced me and it was just kind of like became a thing so uh really when as stripper mentioned we lived about you know a mile 10 minutes from each other in san francisco now we live in novato and we still about live the about the distance, distance. Part, it's, actually, yeah. it's, it's almost exactly two miles but still um so so it's just kind of funny that obviously up here we we essentially have each other to, to train with more than anything um and that and that's kind of i think where uh where our friendship, which was already pretty solid, I think, yeah. you know, became like more of a brotherhood, you know? Yeah. 
So am, am I getting the years right? So we're talking circa 2012. You became endurance athletes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, That's we were kind of, we, were, we both before. have a similar journey. Like we were both kind of on the former fatties club and started yeah. getting back into dad fitness. Bots. Yeah. yeah. Or was this and, before, uh, before dad, though. Yeah, That's was, the problem. It was pre dad, dad. <laughs> dad bots before dads. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's just post college then at that point yeah. but um but yeah so we're both kind of finding our fitness and actually did our first marathon like around the same time even though it was a different race and um and then yeah so i think that's where the endurance the same thing like i did a marathon i was like oh well, i really like swimming and biking triathlon makes sense i actually had done a triathlon in high school way back mm-hmm. when um and uh yeah am i getting this right were you actually from the east coast then yeah, so I spent my formative years in the Boston area. So essentially, yeah, and I played all the sports, all the sports. Um, like what? Tell tell us a little bit about your your sporting background. Yeah, so Kipper was a baseball as, player. Yep, I was a baseball player. As any you know, red blooded Puerto Rican, you're pretty much just drafted into your your local town's <laughs> little Team. league. And, uh, yeah, so I was really into baseball, wanted to be a professional baseball player, did, did everything I could to make that happen, and I failed. But, uh, I but wouldn't yeah. say that. You got drafted. It's true, but, yeah, oh, I didn't wow. know about taking hey, it. Hey, so. so let's, really quick here, because uh, I played baseball as well, so let's talk positions here. Yeah, so I was shortstop and pitcher. And, and I just pitched. Okay. Yeah, just Man, pitched. and I was the one bag. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. You, awesome. Well, you're lanky, that's why you're over there. Well, I was a lefty. Oh, okay, there uh, you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so wow, that's cool. So you got drafted chipper. Did you get drafted? No, there's a great story with my, uh, group of high school friends that I'll, I'll shorten it up. So chipper comes from chipper Jones, uh, hall of fame, Braves third baseman, great baseball player, borderline, you know, we won't talk about him. Borderline great person. Yeah. Great yeah. person. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, so I, we had a really good kid who got drafted out of high school. So there would be scouts and college people at uh, our high school whenever this guy would play so it's like every time he would like wind up like all these radar guns would lift up to see how fast he was throwing so we i probably got a lot of exposure but um my friends were grabbing a, a couple wings at hooters one night and there was a guy with a braves hat and a braves polo and they were overhearing him talk and my friends started talking to the guy and they're like oh what school did you go to and my friends are saying oh wood creek and they go you know what they sent me out there one day day to see this kid they said he was going to be good he was garbage he was horrible and they're like really who was it he goes i don't know some kid like nicodemus and my friend's like holy <laughs> shit that's our buddy can you just call him and tell him the story again <laughs> <laughs> so i must have i must have got really shelled, out there. I must have so, got so shelled one game when when there was a brave scout in the audience like similar to chris you know lifelong dream would love to grow up uh, to play on the atlanta braves but uh i had my my one chance and i, I blew it pretty hard i guess <laughs> you didn't even know you blew it. didn't even know say, I blew couldn't, it, couldn't the other chipper have called in a favor for <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we got to stick together us chippers got to stick together yeah Man, too funny. so uh so chris you on the east coast then you got drafted yeah uh, yeah so in high school i was do. your i was your kind of your proto jock so i played um soccer and football in the fall basketball in the winter and then baseball and track in the spring um so i was just all over the place um and uh yeah so you know just always super active kind of stayed that way in college and um you know the ultimatum was you got to go to college or else so i went to college and um did sports take a a 
get put on the back burner once you went to win, once you were in college or well actually i was still pretty active um i stayed in pretty good shape um i played on the rugby team i did a bunch of kind of like random sports and just you know did a bunch of stuff got into rock climbing for a bit um it was really it wasn't until law school where literally ev- like the wheels on everything fell off for me where you know i'm sitting there first year law student i'm there's lo- anyone who's a lawyer can relate to this and i'm sitting there and I'm just like trying to learn torts <laughs> and you just have this existential crisis. You're like, what the fuck is a tort? Mm-hmm. I'm like halfway into this class. And why am I learning about torts? Um, so I pretty much stopped everything I was doing, which in hindsight was the stupidest idea ever. Um, I just stopped working out, doing everything, just started just studying all the time. So, you know, I gained a bunch of weight and was just turned into like a sedentary person until uh, until a couple of years after law school, where I started getting it back. Well, you lost me on the first T in torts, but uh, <laughs> uh, that that's about where my uh, intelligence stops, but uh, or at least my schooling. But uh, at what point did you go out to the West Coast and and um, end up in SF? Yeah, well, it was right after law school. My uh, uh, my now ex wife she got into a fellowship program in uh, at UCSF, and it was like at that time I was living in New York City. It was either stay in New York City or come out here. So came out here. My parents live in uh, Napa. St. Helena area. So it was, it was basically a way to kind of come back home. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's really incredible guys. And, um, you know, I, I, Chip or Chris, I'd, I'd like to think that all those sports that you played in your, you know, previous iterations probably have come in handy in very interesting ways along the way. Um, you know, you can always draw back on, on those experiences, right? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, in the middle of a. I mean, one thing I think about a lot is, you know, a lot of those sports, um, for the most part, were team sports. And getting really into triathlon, it's, you know, it was very, it's a time trial solo. It's a very Mm -hmm. solo thing. You know, I found my community in the triathlon club that we, Chipper and I, were both a part of. And for me, like, that was always what was missing. Um, And one of the things, I guess, from even subconsciously, I was like searching for. So that's where something like Slim Run, it's like, you know, when I read about it, and um, I mentioned this before on the show on this coffee table book called The World's Toughest Endurance Challenges that my wife, my, you know, my wife gave to me for Christmas a bunch of years ago. And I'm just like, oh, my God, these events are crazy. And I come across Atala, right? And I'm like, wait, it's a team thing. It's like, so there was just a lot of things that 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 were um, that I found very, very attractive about about kind of doing something like that kind of different than being in a tri club where yeah you're training with all your buddies but then on race morning you're like see you good later. luck buddy have a great race <laughs> i'm gonna drop you on the so, swim so <laughs> was that yeah ab- absolutely was that the first time when you were flipping through that book uh and and i got to imagine you read every uh you read between the lines you read uh, you know every line oh, yeah. being the being a lawyer right um yeah, if he knows but, about but torts, I, I can only imagine it, it exactly but w- was that <laughs> So that was the first time that you ever heard of of Otolo, yep. obviously. What, what, when was the first time that you that you really even gave any kind of consideration to to doing a swim run? Oh, easy, easy. So, so yeah. So I, uh, you know, I know about YouTube, right? So basically, as soon as I right after I read it in that book, I was like thinking about it. I was telling people about it, and go to YouTube, see a bunch of hype videos get the usual sort of indoctrination into uh into, into what it is and yeah just started looking around for races dude and the only race at the time was 
Someone the first Casco yeah. Bay. It was the first Casco Bay. Oh, we were around by then. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah it was like the next yeah. year. So, so, like the so you're talking 2016 then yeah. is kind of a, around that time frame. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, if, you, if you guys don't mind, let's jump to 2018 really quick because, uh, you know, the, I thought this was really interesting. I was doing some research and looking at some past oh. race results. And, oh, no. and uh, I remember California Swim Run. Uh, and I've heard this before on the show that you guys, that was your first, first race, but, uh, why don't you tell everyone what your team name was and, uh, a little bit about that experience? Because, you know, I don't know if this is a, uh, a big reveal, but it wasn't the low tide boys. <laughs> no, it wasn't no. the low tide boys. boys was late to the game. Yeah. We, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, people can tell if you, if you pay attention to low tide boys, we just have a lot of ideas and some of them are good. Some of them are just whatever, but we got a lot of them. That's, there's no shortage of ideas around here. Yeah. Um, and we were just coming up and Chris and I have done stuff kind of like professionally. Like we did a little consulting on the side cause we both do a little bit of like marketing and, and stuff like that. So we have been working together and, ha- you know, having different ventures, so to speak, I guess very lightweight, you know, uh, type of stuff but um yeah i think at the time we just thought oh thunder ghost is like a really cool name so that was the name we went with for the um yeah we had this sort of like um the consulting lo- digital marketing kind of agency that we came up with on a, on a run yeah <laughs> and we're coming up with names lots and of great ideas reason, come, come up on runs right for some reason like the thunder goats stuck and actually the logos if, if anyone listening wants some of these stickers we still have some it was like the thundercats logo but it was a goat is this the the throw up like he had the the neon lights almost like a mr beast type logo <laughs> no no but we did have the basically we took the aladdin sane yeah cover the david bowie the album. david bowie cover and instead of david bowie it was like a goat with like the, the thunderbolt across the thunderbolt. his face these these are prime time primetime designs um obviously we made stickers and stuff but um i mean if those pop up into the the merch shop uh, <laughs> site, you think they'll go maybe quick? just want to well, you know maybe I mean, just, we'll just uh, give them to people we'll give them away <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah we actually maybe so some that, takers at this point yeah we did that we were racing as the thunder goats in 2018 and then for catalina because we registered before the low tide boys existed we were, I think we were Team Dad Bod. Yeah. That was our team name. And then we had actually had it changed to the Low Tide Boys once that, yeah, once as, that as happened. Soon, as soon as we came up with the idea for the show, and we were already kind of thinking of changing our name because we saw this meme about the Low Tide Boys that was so funny. It was like, oh my God, we sh- we got to change our name to the Low Tide Boys. And it's like, we should we should just call our show that. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that's a good idea too. So, so was this a, an idea that that kind of came to fruition on a on a run or a ride that that you guys had? I mean, it, it sounds like a lot of good ideas or or bad ideas, depending on the way you uh, look at it. Uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll let Chipper tell it because after 2018, it was Chipper's idea to kind of like record. Chipper had been doing a podcast for a while yeah. with one of his high school buddies, and it was his idea to kind of like put something, I guess, like on paper sort, you know, so to speak. Yeah. So actually, after that 2018 Casco, when we did release this, we'll have to pull the episode. We'll link it in the show notes, what number it was. One, I'll I'm going to say one, one in the one teens. Keep telling That's my guess. <laughs> and I, I have all the podcast equipment like... Uh, Chris said, "Me and my friend have a have a longstanding podcast that we've done for years." And I was like, "I was looking online. I'm like, dude, there's nothing on the internet about swim running." <laughs> I'm like, "You want? Let's just record it and put it on. We put it on SoundCloud." 
So we just he came over one night. We just sat at the table and kind of walked through it, and that was that. It it went away. We didn't do anything with it. We just recorded it, put it on SoundCloud. I don't even think I checked it again. I don't know how many downloads or listens. Probably barely any. Episode one seventeen. Boom! I was I was on <laughs> it. You were close. Um, so are you saying there's a there's an episode that hasn't even been released? Oh no, that's the one we released. We did release. Yeah. That so one so Chipper was like, oh man, we still have this uh, this 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 race report from from back from the way back when. Casco. Um, and so we heard it to make sure it wasn't just like ridiculous or whatever. Um, and we were like, actually, it's really interesting because you can kind of see we were already thinking in sw- swim run in terms of like we need to be able to describe this experience for people because it's such a random kind of thing that like you have to be able to tell the story and just just kind of educate people a little bit while trying to entertain them at the same time. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, for that race, we were just like, yeah, we just, it was just so Let's wild. Just do we it. just yeah. had to like, you know, like I said, kind of put something down on paper. And, and this episode one that you're talking about is, is your good friend, Kelly O'Mara, who, um, uh, I remember her because I used to work at Triathlete Magazine as well. And, and she was, of course, the editor, uh, longtime editor in chief over at Triathlete. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there was something about Triathlete. All the editors had had done swim runs or Otolo for a while there. Um, and actually, Chris Foster still does. So, you know, they're oh, yeah. we're in good hands with with the triathlon editorial mm-hmm. crew. But, you know, maybe talk about that a little bit. So um, here you go. Well, actually, I want to hear you guys tell it, but so you have this experience and, you know, what about that 2018 California swim run race, you know, and then the subsequent Casco Bay really solidified the fact that, you know, wow, we, we may have found our next calling here, you, you know, just athletically, like this is something we might want to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, we did, we signed up for California swim run cause we had, we had the, Casco Bay 2018 on the books and we're like man this looks pretty serious we better try this sport out before we like go over there and, right no you know, well, I don't it was, get, it was like it was like oh there's a there's a race in California like, like we in have March. to go yeah oh, we should just fly down and do it just to kind of like you know there's an opportunity to try it so it was almost like it was a package deal <laughs> yeah so we did that race and it took us like an hour and 20 or an hour and 30 minutes or something it was only maybe 8 to 12 k's total we had a blast doing it, and then we're like, oh, you know, immediately after, we're like, oh, thinking of all these things to improve. But um, I remember doing Casco, and I mean, obviously, we our approach was a lot different than how we're approaching things now. It was very much like Chris and I, we would do this for these 50-milers, these 200-mile bike rides, any like crazy feats of endurance that we would do. It was just like, we're just going to do it. We're going to take our time. We're going to have fun and enjoy joy hanging out with each other and that's how we approach casco probably on like you know three thousand yards a week swimming too if that um but i remember very distinctly like doing that race that took us close to seven hours hours. yeah six and a half yeah six and a half hours okay i remember and and you were near you know hey i don't i'm not getting i'm not poking fun at you here but you were near the the back half of yeah oh yeah Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I, I only say that because now, you know, and we'll jump forward in a little while here, but, you know, now you're uh, always flirting with podium. So, you know, it's wow. it's an impressive, we're, an we're, impressive we're the best trajectory. The <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I mean, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, Chipper Chipper was, was just alluding to this. It's like when doing that race, I mean, there was a point where we were like chit-chat and all this stuff. 
and then it kind of got real. <laughs> yeah, like okay, we're like, we, we got I was like, oh, by, by my estimation, we should be almost done here. And Chipper's like, I'm not even on my second paddle. <laughs> um, so, so it was, uh, you know, it, it 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 turned into a thing where, as Chipper mentioned, we're usually just like shooting the shit and just having a good banter and just you know, either coming up with business ideas or whatever, <laughs> yeah. like just doing all kinds of stuff. Um, and this was really one of the first times where I was like, all right, you know what, let's, let's, we actually got to do some work here. Yeah. So let's just like start kind of like applying some tactic of, of some kind at that point, you know, not even really knowing what that was. And I think that part of it was also really interesting because we crossed the finish line and we we're both like, oh my God, like what the hell was that? And yeah. then it's like, let's do this again. And, and our plan was to do Orcas the next year because that race, I mean, that's just my style of. I mean, I love mountain running and all that stuff. So for me, that was so always this, we're talking the race. 2019 season because so yeah, you've just done Casco Bay 2018. Looking yep. forward to Orcas 2019. What happened in 2019? Well, we guys? both had our second child. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So at so 2018, our yeah, our kids would have been two between two and three. Our first daughters, um, and and yeah, we were we were definitely like kind of on the dad dad bod training training plan kind of thing um i mean i Someone's very distinct- be watching kid number one while uh mama's taking care of kiddo number <laughs> the newborn right yeah yeah uh yeah so 2019 wasn't wasn't really i can't even i'm sure it's we did stuff local i'm sure we did stuff but it was yeah. a lot of the local trail halves or things like that but yeah. um so so then you know uh near the end of the year then uh you know we started to notice and it came kind of fast and furious, but, uh, starting in, I want to say mid late November, maybe December, we started the swim run world started getting enlightened to these yeah. just hilarious memes that just started <laughs> poking out seemingly out of nowhere. But, uh, so explain the memes because oh my they, God. they predated, they predated the launch of episode one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but who came up with the memes and, and I mean, you, you do these damn near every day for, well, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of like it's changed over the years. I will say that, but I mean, I think it's it's the type of thing where you know when we're coming up with ideas, we'll just try to keep it'll just turn into improv. Is like, oh well, what about this? Well, what about that? What about and you know we we both enjoy a good meme, and um, there weren't any swimmer. There still aren't any swimmer yeah. memes <laughs> except for us. Um, but we know there was this, this account that we we loved. It was ultra running memes. Or I forget what. Yeah, the, ultra running memes. Ultra running just memes. So super and it was funny super trail running inside memes. baseball, yeah. like you know, a photo of a tree with like you know, and then with little toilet paper things on it. It's like oh, you know, what's what, what ultra runners see kind of thing. And yeah. it was just just gold, just gold memes. So we're like, oh, we should start doing that. And I felt like I had a lot. I really enjoy memes. I felt like we did have. A we lot had a lot we could contribute. Up. Yeah. Um, whether it was on pull buoys or whatever. So it, it all it was all part of that same, I guess, like you know, origin story where we're sitting in the garage thinking about, oh, you know what? We should just do a show and Chipper has all the gear. So it's like, oh, well, it's actually kind of turnkey. Couple, yeah. Oh, what are we going to call it? Oh, we should also do a meme cage as like a quote unquote <clears throat> listener acquisition strategy. <laughs> yeah, that was our growth strategy. <laughs> but I mean, I, you know, you, there's certain things that you guys say. And when you go to your website as well, you can tell like professionally you are involved in the media industry or um, you know, website industry, everything looks so professional, so polished, but yet so easy. You know, it's, it's the way you guys are really, you know, you personally, like, you know, you're, you're extremely, obviously, Chris, you know, Chipper, I know that you're, uh, you know, probably well studied as well, but like, you have these massive 
you know, uh, educational backgrounds, yet you come across just so easy to everyone. And, you know, you're, you're very easy to talk to and conversational and you bring out the best in, in everyone, which is I, why I really think that you've just been probably the single, well, not probably, but really the greatest thing that Swim Run, you know, has, has had from kind of the, oh, the, Come on, the Lars. In, <laughs> no, yeah, no, I don't think I'm the only one, you know, to, to notice this, you know, it's really, uh, you know, you kind of launched us into the, the, the industry of swim run into the, the next stratosphere. Um, and, and more than that, just not taking ourselves so seriously though, either, which I think you, you guys have always done a really good job in, in anchoring, um, you know, the sport, cause it can be pretty stuffy, right. But, um, but you guys yeah. weekly do a great job of, of injecting, you know, fun, you know, quips and stories and personalities. Um, so, so taking us to the podcast, the launch of the podcast, then, um, you know, what was it the fact that you guys had so many questions that you couldn't find the answers to anywhere out there in the swim run industry that, you know, I've got to scratch my own itch. A lot of it was that, um, cause, uh, Attila Catalina was, was announced sometime in, I guess, fall time in, in 2019 or maybe even the summer. So we we were excited to do that race because that was again a sw- uh, something that we liked in California, right. and it was going to be this cool one that's a uh, Tala style and everything. And we were like, we'll do that one and orcas. Yeah, <laughs> let's do them all. And then it, it sounds sounds like you were uh, maybe uh, sc- scared shitless, let's say, with Catalina out there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, uh, the behemoth that was sitting out there. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> a lot of our friends in the tri club had a lot of questions because for us because th- we were the only people that they knew that had done a swim run but they were interested in this cool event so our friends would be asking what gear do you use what do you do this and that and that's sort of where the idea of the show came in is like and we never set out to say hey let's do a hundred episodes and then whatever or let's do this it's like let's do like three or four and just see what happens and we put them out and at first we were, I think we released every other week or once a month or something, but um, pretty quickly, like the re- the reception and the feedback we were getting from everybody in the community was like, I honestly, I guess it was a little bit uh, addicting for sure. Cause it was like, oh man, this is really, uh, we, I think we hit something pretty yeah. good here. It was, and I, I think it was, it was a couple, yeah. So everything the chipper said, and then, you know, we go to Catalina and the feedback from people yeah. was just I mean, it was really surreal from, I mean, we were just completely humbled and just taken aback by the, you know, the reactions that people have had positive, obviously. Yeah. Um, I mean, we crashed the Attila party and, you know, they didn't kick us out, you know, like a lot of good things were going on. Um, It was really kind of after that where we were like, oh my goodness, like, I mean, when we started the show, we were like, hey, let's help grow the sport in the U.S. and let's make it inclusive and welcoming. Like that was from the beginning. We're like, hey, we're going to do anything. That's our North Star. Like, that's that's what we're trying to achieve is just to help grow the sport. And I think we have to change it because we're like, yeah, let's help grow the sport in the U.S. But now I, every time I say that, I'm like, world? world? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, no, well, it, well, it became pretty obvious to you guys, I'd, I'd imagine, in in uh, at Catalina, how small this community is mm-hmm. and how, yeah. A, how passionate everyone is. But <clears throat> A, I mean, or, you know, C, the, the Swedes speak perfect you know they speak better english than we do and so yeah, um and, and are craving turns out they're also craving um you know anything that they can 
you know, a platform for to get exposure sure. for themselves, but also yeah. just information, right? And and color. Um, but you know, you guys didn't mention that you know a pretty big win. The New York Times also quoted you at at Catalina. Yeah, I mean, the whole Catalina experience for us was just incredibly surreal. The whole thing. I mean, we literally how many episodes do we have in the bank? Like, like six. six. So we've been doing it for a month and a half and we go over there and we're on the ferry. And of course, this is just how we do things. We went on, uh, you know, whatever, custom ink, printed up a couple hats and shirts so we could like look the part of, of pro. We, we, dare I say we were like a very kitted out, extremely amateur yeah. team. Like we we're like, hey, all you amateurs, like like Team Mombol, step it up, dude, because the low tide boys are kitted no, out. I, Nicholas has <laughs> I don't think there's any. You can't beat Nicholas. But um, <clears throat> on the ferry ride to the island three women came over like are you guys the low tie boys and we're like oh my god is this really happening right like, now and the whole we show you our pool buoy it was it was it was crazy and yeah we crashed that party at the Attila party and we were meeting christopher and helen from arc and uh yeah adam skolnick the new york times reporter and i was just sitting there you know i had my hat on backwards just eating a cheese thing and probably having a beer and and he was like, oh, what do you do? I was like, oh, I actually have a Swarm on podcast. He's like, oh, really? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. And he goes, oh, I'm from the New York Times. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, cool. Um, talk to Chris. He can put a better sentence together for you. Than I can. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I was, his, I was his, uh, his source. He was like, oh, that person. Oh, he won the championship last year. Oh, she's, she's awesome. Like all this stuff. Um, yeah. So it was pretty much like and, after and in Catalina. Those six podcasts, in, in those six podcasts, you were really... You know, maybe this is the, the template for what you did in the lead up to Otolo Worlds this past year, but you really were going to a lot of guests who knew more than you did at that yeah. time, whether it was yeah. the inside scoop on the course out there. Um, yeah. And I think yeah, that's I mean, really what, you know, we was, found it was that definitely, beneficial. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely like trying to follow our curiosity. And then when, when the world went to shit after Catalina, where, I mean, we were saying, oh, this is the, you know, 2019 is going to be like the year. Of, 2020, 2020 yeah. is going to be the year of swim run, like all this stuff. Like episode one, where like Kelly O'Mara, freaking, you know, editor-in-chief of triathlete, is this the year of swim run? She was like, yes. I'm like, great, because we feel the same way. There's a year of nothing. It's, yeah, it's a year of nothing. Yeah. But, um, you know, so, so but, but we kind of made a decision of... of like, all right, well, there's so many stories to tell. I'm, we're super curious about the sport. There's this whole European thing. There's races in Brazil. There's there's stuff that's happening, and like, why not try to elevate those stories like you would in anything else? Like, <clears throat> I mean, I hope the more people know that someone like Desiree Anderson is like, you know, if there's a Hall of Fame of swim run, if she's not the one of the first three people first five people going in obviously the original maybe they count as one the original yeah. four count as one if she's not in the top three going in like it's a farce okay like she's an amazing athlete and everything she's been able to do and she's super nice and people need to know the story and like it's like in you know the, like the Ironman World Championship like it's it's the stories of the athletes it's the stories of the personalities and the teams whether you're coming in winning or coming in last um, I mean one of my favorite episodes is when we had Rick Mann and um Chris. and his niece where they came in literally last place at Engadin. I mean, and that was such a great it was such a great story. So so <clears throat> there there's a lot to share there, I think. And Did it? um especially I think it was it was during COVID where where Chipper and I were like, All right, okay, we it looks like we have a we have a part to play in this. Just like there's other people, right? Like T S R there's a lot of folks who are you know, spending energy to try to help grow the sport. 
um, yeah, we're just and highly motivated. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you guys were, um, you know, a, a lifeline of sorts for the swim run community during COVID. I mean, look, as a event director, we didn't have any chance of putting anything on, you know, yeah. Michael and Mott's thought the same, knew the same thing was, was likely the scenario. So, you know, to really be this lifeline throughout that year, you, you help bookend that year, you know, no doubt with just something to, to give everyone a chance to look forward to, but also to, to bring these personalities to the forefront. And, you know, one question I have is, you know, did you have any, it didn't, it never came across if you did, but were you, were you surprised that kind of these who's who of swim run athletes, you know, wanted to be on the podcast were, um, you know, really were willing to talk about anything, you know, Oscar the week, a couple of weeks before just, laid out his game plan to how he was going to approach the worlds. It's, I know. It, it, well, when does we, this surprise we, you at all? How open of a book everyone is? It's, it still does. And I remember the first thing I'm like, how the hell are we going to book anyone on this show? Like Chris, like, should we enter? Well, cause my other shows is a more of a, a two person, just kind of a shoot the shit kind of thing. And so I was like, well, we, we can just shoot the shit. We do that all the time. So, and Chris is like, well, maybe, maybe we'll just make an interview show. And I'm like, who can we book? Like, we're going to tell them we're the only thing. And even when we give, when we were giving out those hats at, at, um, Atala this year, the low tide boys hats, uh, Adriel grabbed one. He's like, yeah, he like put it on, took a picture, put it on. I'm like, it's just the whole thing. It's just, it's still, sh- it, I was still shook when he was su- super excited <laughs> to like, take yeah. a picture with the hat on or take a picture with us or something. It's, I mean, it changed pretty quick. Insane. It was definitely at first it was like, oh man, do you think we can get these people on the show? And, like, or, or, and then I think fast forward even a couple months, it was like we pretty felt pretty confident that we can basically get anyone in sort of the swim run space on the show yeah. within, you know, within reason and scheduling and all that stuff. And I mean, honestly, the first, the first, quote unquote get for us was Christopher Sunberg from Arc Sports, the first mm-hmm. company to reply to a DM. You know, Roca ignored us. Like people were just like, who the hell are you guys? Yeah. Which I told you know, told totally I wasn't even mad. I'm not even mad at it. You know, but Arc Sports, they were the first ones to be like, Yeah, happy to come on. Let's talk about this stuff. Like so for us, that's why Arc, you know, they have a special Forever, place in our yeah. hearts because they're the first ones to be like, Yeah, sure guys. Let's have at it. Yeah. And yeah, Odyssey, yeah, I mean, basically, so, basically them and Odyssey were like the two companies <laughs> that were like, well, yeah, uh, you great. know, what I was going to say was, I think the last time I saw you guys in a head wetsuit, not that you have anything against head, but was at Catalina. And, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, after that, you're, you know, you're always rocking, you know, which, whichever in, uh, you know, whichever arc suit, you know, fits the conditions best. And, spoiled, you know, that kind yeah. of spoiled for sure but you know that's another aspect of this sport that i think you've you know really helped a lot of newbies for sure newcomers into the sport and that includes triathletes who are coming over they don't want to admit it but you know so many don't know what to do on the gear side and i'd I'd had i'd have to imagine that you guys were in that boat as well um but um you know talk talk a little bit about how gear fit into the the podcast did that come naturally or was that something that you know just trial and error like look, we're having to figure out as well what what kind of works the best. Yeah, some of that was, I mean, getting ready for uh, the Swarm in California in 2018 and then Odyssey in 2018, it was like, okay, how do I make, I see everyone has these pull buoys on their leg, but I don't, 
you can't go to Sports Basement, you can't go to REI, like they don't sell that kind of thing. How do you make this? There was one video on YouTube that actually Head had done, and I basically just copied it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I would I would say I'm definitely a big gearhead. You know, Chris has you know 30 pairs of shoes in his garage. I mean, we just are into gear and and all sorts of stuff. So that definitely came naturally, especially as the, the sport tent is the like uh, evolution of the gear, especially even from 2018 to to now, three, four, or five years later, has just been insane the evolution of it um and then yeah we were it was just our own kind of talking through our own experimentation it was a really good way for us to say hey we're trying this out and we're not trying to act like we know it all either um but it also opened up a really great opportunity for us to connect up with annie and brooke of the swimrun labs uh who we kind of started like we didn't have enough going on we started a second yeah, uh, so the gear talk show. So, I mean, with so them. so that story. I mean, I love that story because yeah, we essentially we so we Chipper and I we already been talking about a, like doing something like a gear talk or whatever. And like on our runs, we're like, yeah, we should do some gear stuff because people are asking questions. Always for us. asking gear, what socks? Um, you know, how do you not get blisters? All, all that stuff. stuff. And kind of going <clears> back to what you mentioned before, because of our backgrounds, like it's it's slightly unfair because we're applying sort of professional digital marketing you expertise know, expertise to, yeah. to this. So super easy to find if you're, you know, our gear guide is the most popular, like all this stuff, like Chipper's just a wizard about this stuff. So a lot of the content that we put out is like, oh, this is something that isn't the people are searching for in the space and are not finding. So why don't we just give people what they're searching for? So uh, on some level, like it's there is an intention to what we do because we want to be responsive to what people want. But it's also following our own curiosity. So we're thinking about starting this gear talk show and we just happened to interview Annie and Brooke and we were like right after the thing it's like we should ask them if they want to do gear talk with us because it's like we get the female perspective they're awesome like it was such a great conversation and we just you know we're just kindred in that way so that's kind of how it you know became another thing which again during COVID is when we did most of them like now it's a little bit more um sporadic sporadic yeah but yeah it was but but you guys have also morphed it seems like you know sometimes the Sometimes a podcast is not the way to go, right? I notice that you guys have started doing more reels, and uh, you know, some sometimes there's another channel that works better for for you know dropping product knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, definitely. Like, I I work in digital marketing, so you know, obviously TikTok is is very big. Uh, and yeah, if you just try to kind of force in uh, whatever you think is is happening and if the game's changing around you kind of have to adjust a little bit and we've we've definitely seen a lot of growth in the video area as well i mean our youtube channel is still relatively small for youtube but uh i think the growth that we see and the the increased engagement on there especially around a lot of the gear uh stuff is is pretty is is pretty promising for sure but we're just trying to go where it seems like people are um especially who who are interested uh, in what we are saying. So, you know, when you break down kind of what the contents of, of each episode is with you guys, you know, you, you do a really nice job of breaking, giving credit to those who are part of your Strava club and what's going around in the world of swim run. And you have a lot of fun with that. Um, you know, what do you notice? Uh, where, where are people coming from? You know, downloads, listenership, uh, is it literally all over the world? Are there pockets that you really, you know, can see, uh, yeah, you know, out, outside of Sweden, the popularity in Sweden, of course, but you know, where, where's, where's the listenership coming in from? 
Yeah, so we do have all those all those sort of stats, uh, and surprisingly, uh, about two thirds of our audience, or over two thirds of our audience, is is in the United States. Uh, so, two two thirds of our downloads come from from the U.S. And then we've been having a little bit of uh, tit for tat uh, on second and third place between uh, the U.K. and Sweden. Yeah, uh, and they're all coming in just above uh, ten percent. So I, I have, it, 11%. have it right here. Okay, yeah. yeah. So. Um, in terms of downloads, U.S. is number one at sixty percent. Number two right now is Sweden at eleven percent, okay. but only ahead of the U.K. by uh, about eight hundred downloads. So, Ooh, so they, the strippers, oh, wow. saying they kind of go back and forth, and then the rest is um, Germany, Canada, Australia, Norway, Netherlands, France, and Belgium in the top ten. I am um, surprised that France isn't higher because yeah, that's a lot. They were huge. French, huh? yeah, yeah, that's a that that might be a problem for us. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, it, it um, seems like, um, and obviously you took note at at Otelo Worlds as well. And you know, it, it seems like the sport is growing in France. Uh, it's bursting out of the seams right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for a sizable country, that, that has to be a considerable amount of of athletes. But you know, maybe they're outdoing and not listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's also just like. Um, English as a second or third language in France isn't as big a deal as it is in other countries. Um, it's like, you know, they want to be speaking French over there. Um, but yeah, France France is an interesting case study because I, I would like to see what's happening in France replicated, except for maybe one thing, which I think is still the jury's out. So essentially the French Triathlon Federation just kind of commandeered Swim Run and took it under its thing and just said, okay, Swim Run is now under the authority of the French Triathlon Federation. So they're like, they're the first team, the first country to send a quote delegation to to Worlds, um, and I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, it's good in the sense it'll create some standards, and you know, yeah. there's a lot of places to swim run in France, which is great, which helps. Um, but there's also a ton of places in Germany; they got plenty of lakes up there too. So you think that that they might have more events there. So so it's it's interesting what's happening in France, and it's great that they're so super stoked on it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, w- I wonder about the same thing that you guys do, and you know, it. it talks about the growth of the sport areas where the sport's going to grow or morph, maybe morph is the better word, who knows? Mm. Um, you know, does it, does it, it'll probably grow naturally. Um, but you know, you brought it up before, you know, there's super sprint style racing. There's, um, you know, longer than, uh, the one water race, which you guys have covered the last bit of time. Um, there's no right or wrong in this, in, in this equation. Um, you know, I don't know if you've, it, it's, it's still a very, it's a sport still, in, still in its infancy, of course. Cause I mean, hell we sweat, we spell swim run with a capital S and a capital R and Herbert yeah. does, but you know, of course we have, uh, you know, a reverence for, um, uh, for the, for the lady <laughs> out of Sweden, you guys had her on your podcast. Oh, Rosenberg. Yeah. Yeah. Erica, who, uh, who Erica. developed the word swim run in the spelling. And we understand that as well. But, you know, the, the whole point is everyone's kind of doing it a little bit differently, how it works for them. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, what do you guys think? You know, is is there a right or a wrong or is it all okay, I mean, or, or do we need to, um, you know, tighten up the package, so to speak? Isn't that in its purest sense of like we're doing this A to B or A to B? It could be a loop or point to point around nature in and through nature and that's like the simplest form of it so 
maybe we got to do that a little bit differently in the U.S. Maybe in Sweden you have an opportunity to do that a little bit differently, and maybe in France it's a little bit different as well. I think it's sort of, uh, I don't know, that's kind of the beauty that I like about it is nothing's the same about it. Every time you do it, even if it's you're doing uh, Casco Bay four years, you're not doing the same course four years in a row. Everything's a little bit different. And I think that, I mean, that's the one of the main things that I, totally. that keeps I mean, me coming back and keeps like the itch totally. for me to scratch. Yeah. It's not like the same exact distance every time. Yeah. I mean, I think like having just done swim run NC, I mean, that race was so completely different than any other swim run yeah. you've done and you're still doing, you're still swim running and stuff, but mm-hmm. even the format of it, just like the the swim run business that you do a couple times, and then you're just doing these crazy these crazy runs. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's great, and I agree. When we had um, the high priest of swim run, Michael Lamel on, mm. you know, and he was talking about like, oh yeah, it's all good, you know, the super sprint is great. Like, I think I think if we really want the sport to continue to grow the way it has been it's almost like you just have to let it grow and not and not try to put too many guardrails on it that being said i'm still kind of a purist and you know like the italian you know swim run solo world championship i'm like "Mm," aquatic runner or whatever "Mm, that's not that's not my bag but um but hey that's going to help grow the sport a bunch of our friends did that race and had great results so we're happy for them so i mean as long as people are swim running i think I think oh, yeah, the way that I always looked at the, um, I agree with you. I'm a purist in the way that I like the team aspect of swim run, but, uh, you know, I'm originally from the Midwest and, uh, in the Midwest, if there was two people who did swim run, uh, back when I would, uh, started, I'd yeah. be amazed. It certainly wouldn't have lived in the same town. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, sometimes the team challenge could be quite difficult, you know, to find someone who, mm-hmm. um, you know, shares, the same, you know, interest or abilities as you. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be really interesting. And I was, it, it was, I was glad to hear Michael say that as well, because coming from yeah. him, like you said, you know, founder of, of, you know, the, the Otolo race to, to say that we're early endings here and, and, uh, the sport's going to morph naturally. Um, you know, yeah. I think that says a lot. Yeah. I mean, you know, I always, I, I and they're, I mean, I, they're I, even morphing too. I yeah. mean, they've introduced the solo category sure. as well, and, and also and, and, and some more kind of uh, younger experiences yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I mentioned a lot on the show is like we're living in the golden age of swim run. Like we're going to look back, you know, thirty years from now to the way you know the it's going to be like the San Diego triathlon scene was like back in the late sixties, early seventies. Except um, none of so, us are going to have the uh, you know the ripped abs look. Yeah, uh, you know, like those with the Budweiser. Yeah, we're sponsors. not going to be able to save anybody. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so I think kind of realizing that you're in that space and kind of enjoying it and being a part of it. I mean, you know, I think we definitely feel like we're a part of it and we're trying to help it along, but. Obviously, you're doing the same thing by actually putting on events um, and, and getting people stoked on, you know, to be giving people the ability to have the experience because, yeah, that's one thing to do it in practice. But something about going to a race, getting on the boat, the ritual of it, I think it's uh, it's, it's one of the great things about the sport. Yeah. Yeah. We all we all, um, you know, are, are, we all do our part, whether it's in this community, you know, overseas somewhere, um, you know, uh, we're, we're all doing what we can with what we know and, and what our skill set is, you know, going back to, um, you know, I do want to go back to the, uh, 
the end of the 2020 season, maybe it was even in 2021, but that really seemed like there was a shift in kind of your approach to swim run from your own, you know, can you guys talk a little bit about that? You know, what clicked or what decision you guys made that kind of transformed, let's just call it version two of the low tide boys, low tide boys 2.0. Chris and I were just talking about this like a week or two ago. And for us, it was literally the second we crossed the finish line at Catalina. And I mean, I'm speaking for both of us here. We got our asses kicked. Like we got, we got stomped at that race. I mean, our shoulders were explode. I mean, it, we had, we were way out of shape and we had been in triathlon. We had both been more competitive and in much better shape, obviously. And that something about that was just a really defining point that both of us were like, we can do way better at this. And we yeah. both wanted to do way better. Well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of the thing. It's like, okay, that sucked. I loved it. And let's you know, do it again. And you know, what will help me love it more. <laughs> Not having it be a fucking ordeal, <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> you know, like if yeah. you can actually race it and be tactical, you know, like like you do your first like seventy point three, you're just trying to get through it. But once you've done a couple of those, you really get a sense of what your body's capable of over that distance, and um, and then to do it with a partner and everything, it just mm-hmm. it just was really interesting to me. And like the second we crossed that finish line, I looked at Chipper and I was like, we're coming back next year, and we're dropping a ton of time. Yeah. Um, and pretty much right after that, like that was a fire. More. That was the doing fire all this light. stuff, yeah. And then with COVID, you know, just gave gave some opportunity to to work on skills. But but yeah, I think um, going into twenty twenty one, as what well, when we did, um, I guess when we finishing twenty twenty, we did the only two races in America. We did Catalina, and then we did Austin. Um, Austin. And Austin was really fun, um, and we I think we raced that pretty well. And it was the first time we were even a little racy. Um, so then you going into the well. next year, you raced that well, but the moment I, I remember seeing you oh, though, well, we at Casco Bay, no, no, no. I remember yes. seeing yeah, yeah, you yeah. though at Casco Bay. That was, that was where we right. saw you. You were a changed right. team. Oh yeah. That was definitely our coming out party. So, yeah. so, so basically after Austin, that winter, I was like, okay, my run is fine. I need to work on my biggest weakness, which is swimming, which I think everybody will agree that that was my biggest weakness and i just made it a priority like i joined tower 26 for three months and then we got like a then we got a a coach to basically get us ready and we just started taking it like way more serious so when we showed up at casco um yeah like i mean chipper mentioned this it's like yeah we're not we're not sneaking up on anybody anymore and i think we just had an amazing race yeah i mean i mean yeah casco 2021 was sort of the coming out party, if you will, from that Austin was a really good race for us. And that was like a little hint of like, we had kind of started tightening things up, you know, uh, obviously being able to work from home took like two to three hours of my commute out per day. So I had a lot more time for training. Um, and we really were, and at that Austin race in 2020 was like, okay, we got to be a little racy. That was fun. Like, let's do a little bit more of that. And then, yeah, like then the the waterfalls started happening. And yeah, we I mean, we put in pretty much from that November through August, whatever uh, that Casco was like, that was a pretty one of the more solid builds that I've had for an endurance event. And yeah, I mean, we uh, we nearly spooked the the swim run monks. We <laughs> we startled well, we them at an aid station. Paddles, but... <laughs> they left their paddles at the station. We spooked them. Yeah, oh, I mean, so literally, for me, oh, like, yeah, that, that race was awesome. And that, that last long run on, on Big Shabig, for me, yeah. that was 
that was the turning point in the race. That was like, you know, four hours in, whatever it was. And um, I remember yeah, seeing we just you, kinda... you all got to that aid station where eventually you would finish, but you got to that aid station, which would have been about halfway point, And you were all together. You were with Swim Run Monks at that time. Yeah. And they had the oh shit look on their face like, wait a second, you're here? Yeah, yeah. because the, you guys had the, the look on your face like, oh, it's, ha- it's oh, all. Shit, the it's like, oh, we didn't know it was you guys. Yeah, it was yeah. like, we weren't expecting to see you guys. Yeah, I mean, because well, they was... beat us. I mean, they were ahead of us by at least an hour and a half, maybe two hours at Catalina. Oh, yeah. No, they had an awesome So, I mean, they had a great race at Catalina. So, like, we're like, we, you know, we have definitely a lot of opportunity here. To... I think there, there's another piece of it, too. And this is something, again, I feel like we mentioned this a lot on the show is our swimmer and IQ is super high just by virtue. Uh, yeah. I mean, this show is selfish in many ways because we're asking the questions that we, th- I mean, obviously for the world championship, like we're asking the questions that we think are going to help us and hopefully helps other people. But for the most part, it's like, you know, it's like, okay, this might help us and hopefully help other people is, I guess is the way we do it. Um, so, so going into the Casco, I feel like our level of swimmer and intelligence was super high, which I think allows us and still does to allow us to punch above our weight class a bit. Yeah. Um, because we can just be really smart. Like we've thought about transitions. We've thought about like how we're going to use the tether and things like that. Um, which Do you guys is- ever think, um, you, and you know, you saw this in Sweden and we see this every time, but, th- and this is a difference between America, you know, the U S scene and, and Europe is it is a competitive sport at the, at the tip top, at the point of the mm-hmm. spear over there. And, and there's no American team that I know of who trains like the Europeans train. We just don't think of it in the same capacity um, as they yeah. do. And I'm wondering if there's like a, you know, if that's kind of the next evolution that we'll see slower here in the U.S., you know, slower to it, taking place. Obviously, we have great talent that comes into the sport, you know, mm-hmm. in in from people from triathlon who have huge engines or whatever sport they're coming from, but you know, they, they lack the swim run IQ that those top European teams would have. And, you know, what, you know, what do you guys notice? Is that, is the, is that a difference that I think, you know, does the U S eventually catch up to, to Sweden and in Europe, or by the time we catch up on that level, have they already kind of accelerated to the next five years? Yeah. I mean, my my impressions when we were in Sweden is is one, it's just so much more accessible to do it whenever you want. It just it it seemed to fit more seamlessly within their lifestyle, and they have a more active lifestyle. It seems like it's just hey, they go run with you know ice spikes on their shoes. Like that's just something they deal with on a regular basis. I feel like eighty percent of the triathletes, if they're like, I spikes in my shoes, no thanks. I'm I'm going to the gym, I'll run the treadmill or something. There's just a there's just built a little bit differently, I guess. And that was that was kind of my take on it. And obviously where they live is it's just so conducive to um, you know, hopping out and you could do an easy hour little swim run thing after work, no problem, as if with here it would take us like an hour just to kind of travel somewhere to to get there almost. Yeah, I I think that's that's totally true and I think that it's also like if the US is I mean I agree I think we're I think we talked about this after Atala Lars where it's like yeah, US is like 5 years behind <laughs> you yeah. know in terms of just sort of the development. Um and I think part of that is access to to training like Chipper mentioned, but it's also access to races. Um so yeah. I think if there was if there's more events like let's say there was like a series of events of the caliber of Casco um where 
people could really kind of cut their teeth on on these races that are super tough and, and can handle these elements. I mean, you just you just end up going to Europe more prepared to take on those challenges. I think you saw that with like um, Team Envos Manfica, like Marcus had been there a bunch of times. Beak had been there a bunch of times, trained super hard together and they had an amazing result. But, yeah. you know, it wasn't it wasn't luck. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like they they put in their dues racing, definitely, um, and uh, and and putting in the work that way, which I think, you know, it's like it's like the world championship, like back in the day, the Ironman World Championship, like no one in their twenties was winning it because you need to have like you need to be someone like Crowley in your thirties or was like just could Miles handle the mental yeah. the mental piece of it. Um, now it's a little bit different, obviously, but but I feel like Swimrun yeah. is still like that because there's so many things you need to deal with. Yeah, it's still kind of an old man sport, you know, with the exception of, of uh, you know, Max and Hugo who are yeah, yeah. Know, rewriting history. But, um, you know, even but yeah, you look at the Tour de France and it's kids in their early 20s who are winning the tour now. Um, yeah, endurance sports is, you know, on the pointy ends, certainly changed quite a bit. Um, you know, t- so the world championships and you guys had an entire, you know, episode on that. So, you know, don't really want to get into the nitty gritty of that. But just from the outside, how how did experiencing the world's, you know, a race that you had built up for the better part of an entire year, you know, with yeah. with, yeah. with researching the show and, you know, talking to past winners and, you know, the training that you guys put into, into it. How did that experience, you know, how do you see that kind of elevating you guys now or, you know, did it motivate you? Did it unmotivate you? You know, what's, you know, where, where, where do you guys go post? uh, post, uh, worlds here. Hmm. Can we, can well, we call think, it low tide? Boys well, I think if, if we're, if we're being honest, which we obviously should be, I think, um, I don't think our story post worlds is exactly the same. Actually. Like I think speaking for myself, like I was super fucked, like second across the finish line. I'm like, I want to do this again. Right. <laughs> like I was super stoked, extremely energized. Like, um, even like as soon as it came back to the states, I was already on the bike. I was just like, "Let's keep this going. Like, let's 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 keep let's keep this thing going." Um, and and for me, a lot of it was it was such a positive experience. It was such an amazing race that mm-hmm. it's like how you know just the whole thing. And and I and I think it also put a lot of um, a lot of the stories we've heard from day one into this different context because now I finally or you know Chipper and I we'd finally done the course. So when yeah. You know, when Matthew broke his leg, broke his foot coming out of the pig swim and you're like, oh, man, you still finished. That's pretty badass. It's like, no, you have like it's it's diabolic. I mean, it's just the baddest ass thing you could ever possibly do. But you, yeah. but you only get that perspective if you've if you've been there. I mean, you could hear it, but it's like, no, you don't understand like all the steps this dude had to take. <laughs> like. Just how many logs he had to jump and over. Still and the fact I mean, that he still amazing. ate a Twix bar at the top after breaking. Yeah. His yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. It was, so, so, so for me, I was like, yeah, my, uh, my love for the sport, there's a whole new reservoir. Um, that's, yeah. that's very filled and I'm, you know, very, very interested in, in continuing on, on the journey. Yeah. I mean, similar to me, I would say after, after the race, like I was, I was pretty, um, I mean, like when we got back home to the States, like after the race, I'm usually, uh, I, I tend to empty the tank <laughs> when I go. Uh, so I was, I was, I was a little out of it after, but I mean, like, you know, I think, uh, we were interviewed and I said, uh, ask me tomorrow, but I already knew deep down inside I was going to say yes. So, uh, 
<laughs> I just said that to, you know, to, for drama to be interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, a- after the race, like I and and even before, s- somehow the show had sort of like it felt like it had shifted to be this huge buildup or un- un- totally unintentionally, and we never s- said anything or did anything, but it started becoming like now Atala is like the thing that we're doing for um, pretty much a year. And when you're like concentrating on multiple aspects of your life, like training your, this hobby podcast we have and everything towards that, like I was just really, really drained after. Um, and it was like, I absolutely, my love and everything of the sport and everybody was still the same, if not even higher than it was before. But I just felt like I was like, I just need, I just need a break. Like it it was, it was a weird thing for me. Um, but yeah, and I guess I'm, I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of dealing with it now, but, uh, but yeah, that's, I, I, we're, it's not the, not the end of the low tide boys, uh, for sure. And we're, we're having, we're still having a ton of fun doing this. We love racing and everything. And a couple, a couple people asked us at, so they're like, are you guys going to keep doing the show after you yeah. do worlds? And I'm like, what? I'm like, uh, hopefully like, we haven't been giving that impression often. Like you, you can't, you can't slow, you can't stop this train, baby. Yeah. I mean, at some point, at some point we got to land this plane. I mean, that's, you know, it's going to happen at some point, but it's not happening, you know, anytime soon, I think. Yeah. Well, um, you know, so, so we're looking ahead to, to next year to, to, to Otolo. I mean, it's, you know, I, I'd imagine that, you know, you, you bank your banking episodes, there's a ton of work and research that goes into each episode, but then the editing, I, I, I can only imagine just the, you know, the work that you guys are pouring into each of this, which, um, you know, I, I think if I, I just want to, you know, a virtual skull, you know, to everyone around the world, I hope they're cheers, cheersing the work and the effort that you guys put in. It's remarkable. So 2023, guys, do we is it too early to talk about what your plans are or or do you have an idea of what where you'll be racing and kind of where you want to take the show going into 2023? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's up in the air for sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we've not. uh solidified or even really talked about what races we're like let's let's have a great time at austin and then we'll see how we're feeling yeah like literally uh, today i think i sent you was like oh the lake james race registration yeah. is uh you know it's, 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 it's getting higher you know the next price increase or whatever yeah i mean i think i think in terms of racing um you know if, if atala ends up happening that'll obviously be the a race again and sort of yeah. our season will kind of be built up around it for me i probably won't try try not to race as much. I mean, we'll have done five swim runs this year, which is just, you know, a long time. I mean, there's a bunch in California, which sure we'll do all of those, but, um, but yeah, we'll probably race a little bit less and be a little bit more picky and just have it either be like a merit race or something that's going to prepare us. So I think it's safe to say that we're coming back to Casco just because if we are doing worlds, then that's, you know, it's kind of silly not to do that race. And, um, and too, I mean, this year we had the first time experiencing our families hanging out with us and, you know, our kids are getting old enough, uh, to where they have interest in what we're doing. Uh, you know, they have the most low tide boy stickers in their school on their binders and water bottles and stuff. Um, but yeah, at the Folsom race, we did that. So, I mean, when we go to these races, it's, I mean, 
I don't, it's it's kind of demanding, right? There's a lot of things for us to be doing and thinking about, and we don't quote unquote work. Like we don't record interviews with people, but we're doing the shakeouts. We're trying to have a good race ourselves, so there's a little bit of that. But um, I think we want to try uh, integrating the family bit or making a trip one be more of like a family kind of style trip, which will totally shift the dynamics of of that. And you know, maybe we won't be able to go and give the, a race like the hundred percent but you know because the family will there and that's a little bit of a different kind of dynamic and everything but um that's one aspect as well that that i think will probably shift a little bit as we as the kids get a little bit older and can travel a little yeah, easier it'll just exactly it'll just be easier yeah. especially our sons like i don't the think they get. Uh, and i don't think a lot of people understand how difficult it is to do what you guys do um you know i I worked in the publishing industry with, with the magazines for a long time. I loved racing. And so I tried to thread that needle as well. And, you know, when you're working up to the point of when the gun goes off, you're not having the same pre-race preparation that everyone else is. Yeah, It's a very unique preparation. And I can only imagine at Worlds, you know, you're getting pulled every which way by all these people who you've had on the show and everyone who's been listening to the show. And, you know, it's, that's only going to continue, you know, as two thirds of the listeners are from the U S that's only going to continue when you go to American races and you guys have done whatever you've figured out seems to be working well. And so I guess keep doing it, but, uh, but, um, it, it's a very challenging thing to do what you guys do. Do you, yeah, I'll be, well, I, I do you, do you get excited by that though. Is there an energy? Oh yeah. That oh, totally. That? So, so yes, it is, it is demanding. I think one of the way that one of the ways that Chipper and I have sort of reconciled that is by just making it part of our experience. And hey, people, when people come up to us and want to take a photo with us or, you know, thank us. Like we are just so, um, we're amazed. We're still amazed that yeah, anyone we're still listens in shock. <laughs> and that people find value in it. I mean, when someone says, oh, we heard this thing and we had a totally great race, we're like, Whew. mission accomplished. You can die in peace now. Like, great. Like, that's all we want to do for that on that individual level. So going to going to going to Sweden and going to Worlds, like yeah, you're being pulled in all these directions, but it's like a tractor beam that you're just allowing yourself to get pulled because it's like, you know, how could you not want to yeah. like spend some time with Rasmus or or, or Frederick who drove like f- across the whole country to have that lunch with us? I mean, it's 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 just really really endearing, and it just makes you it just makes you want to keep working working harder to put out a good product. Yeah. And again, because it's it's just kind of like part of the thing. It's 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 not like uh, it's not like an extra pressure. I mean, sure, putting it on blast that we're doing worlds and we're letting everyone know what's happening. I mean, there's there's certain pressure like built into that, but yeah. we're also like we're just going to do the best we can. And I think our heads are screwed on right in that respect. Where sure we have egos like everybody else, but it's not like we don't have any delusions. Yeah. So I I, I just have three more questions. Just <laughs> okay. more. are they getting progressively um, which, harder? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, see, the the way that these questions have kind of been going is that there's a question, but then there's the, you know, A and point one mm, of yeah, question, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, um, but you do have a massive bucket list of events that you want to go to. Yeah. Obviously, living in California does not allow you to, that is a very difficult uh, state yeah. to travel from to, to go do swim run in Europe typically, but you got to pick one guys and, and let's just say Otolo worlds 
outside because, Mm -hmm. you know, just put that one on the calendar. It's one that everyone wants to shoot for, but what's the biggest bucket list race out there of all that, you know, you've either been researching or talked to race directors of, um, you know, what, which, which race will you do? I think, you know, before the swim run journey, I think we have the same answer. I don't know if Chris is going to believe this or not, but I would, I would say, uh, until incident is probably like, yeah, it's going to be pretty high up there. Yeah. I think Egadin for sure. Rockman is also, I'm curious about that one just because it's again, the ter- I mean, it's where are you going to do a swim run like that? Nowhere yeah. else. Um, but, but I'm also curious, like, I really want to go to Portugal to do some of Bruno Safara's races because, I mean, <laughs> sort of tropical-esque swim running. I mean, shit, like, sign me up. Um, so, so Amazing. yeah, there's, yeah, I mean, we, we joke about the bucket list, but it's, uh, there probably aren't enough years in our lives to be able to do all the races. And, you know, one, one idea that I've, that I've keep tossing to, to chipper is we go and do Atala can and then drive up the coast and then do court d'azur the next weekend i mean something like that i think That's allows us to do to, more yeah. like if we, we want to go to the uk we, you know we want to experience you know say hi to our fans there and, and do some of those local races and we could time it so we can do a couple that's uh that'd probably be ideal yeah that that would be what how i'm definitely it. hearing is you live in the wrong continent yeah yeah it sounds like <laughs> yeah. or at least on the wrong coast for traveling to europe yeah. for sure yeah yeah no it's so true though i mean you you could be uh you could be blind deaf and stupid and still end up in just a an awesome swim run venue in europe <laughs> yeah totally it seems like <laughs> yeah we um we so you know i'm not oh go ahead. oh no just you know we uh we're trying to also stay, stay married through this whole ordeal as well. So, uh, you know, we, we definitely try to jam in and jam out for, uh, for the races and everything to not stick the wives with the kids for, for too much longer. But, but yeah, there, if we can get the calendars to align on some sort of uh parlay European parlay, multi-race, you know, tour seven to nine days or to, to 12 days or something, then I think that, that, would be a high uh, high probability of happening if we can, uh, you know, figure, yeah. you know, figure the, that the, out. The other thing with European races is, uh, and, and you guys saw this at Worlds, is there's a different level of comfort that race directors have in putting the events on. Yeah. Uh, there's mm-hmm. there's a, an element of risk that, that they're okay with and that athletes are okay with uh, that we don't quite have over here at least. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's events, actually any of the Otala events I've done, they wouldn't happen over here. Yeah. Oh, hell no. Not, not in the form and fashion, but I mean, geez, that's why as an American, if you get over, if you have the opportunity, they are just next level. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a whole, it's a whole new world. Yeah. I mean, and it was great. I think, I think for our swim run journey, I think it was really important. To, I mean, whether it was worlds or something else, but going to Europe and doing a race, I mean, fact that we did like the the holiest of holies you know yeah. mecca track or whatever is is awesome but it could have been Engadin, it could have been can it could have been malta i mean it really just just doing something over there i think in many ways like like having a decent race kind of just solidified a lot of things for us i was like oh yeah we don't totally suck at this oh yeah this is super fun and oh yeah like it's so great to experience it and it's sort of like original element and it's everything it's hyped up to be yeah so uh, another impossible question because I I did get about ten events that you guys said that you have to do when we ask for one, but that's okay. <laughs> I gave you one. But, uh, Chris you is know, the problem. <laughs> I am the problem. 
but yeah, but you said, hey, I'll, you knew that you were going to be his teammate. For all <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. I, he ain't, yeah, he's not doing him solo. <laughs> Hell no. Um, you got to pick, uh, you know, are there any past episodes that just jump out at you as that interview with XYZ was oh. inspiring, electrifying? Like who, who sticks out at you as just being the most, you know, fun or entertaining or yeah. you know exposed at all interview that you had out there man that's man. a good question i mean there's, I mean, there's I, such different kinds of interviews you know i will say we we hit it off with pretty much everybody i mean or at least that's my perception <laughs> hopefully hopefully i feel like 99 percent of these like were like that was a great time we had a great chat uh with them um i uh, I do think Erica Rosenbaum. I after that episode, I was like, she seems like the nicest person I've ever met. Like, she just seems like the sweetest person. Um, but there was a lot. I mean, a, a lot of them do stick out to us in different ways. I will also echo what Chris said about having Christopher Sundberg on uh, episode four or six or something. We actually had some technical difficulties, and me and Chris had to share a mic. So we would literally hold it and pass it back to who was going to answer the question. It was uh, yeah, the, that... like I I'd, I'd pre-written all sorts of questions, like it was a fucking deposition, you know, <laughs> like okay, you asked that one, Alice. This, you know, we're trying to be super pro about now. Now we don't do any of that stuff. And but... yeah, and we talked to, I mean, we talked to Michael Lamel, but we waited a little bit for that one until we felt like I don't know why we waited so long, but it just it felt right when we did it, and that was a that was a great conversation uh, as well. Um, yeah, I mean, again, There's they so fall many. into different buckets. Like Susie Moon and Two, when we had uh, her on yeah. for um, the countdown show, Mister Mrs. B. In terms in terms of a team, I mean, they've been so super supportive of us. And then like they go to Worlds to volunteer and get to like hang out with them and see them on the court. It was great. Um, yeah, some of those early ones, like uh, <laughs> like Better Tethered Together, episode twelve. If I mean that one's yeah, falling the off the episode, top ten, that's... but woo. That one's still like no, you she, want a, an endurance teamwork and resilience and also poop. That's uh, uh that's episode the episode 12s for you. <laughs> that's a story you're not going to be forgetting anytime Ooh, in the uh, no. yeah in the near future. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, that definitely puts you on the spot when you've had so many great guests who you love for all different sorts of reasons. But um, maybe an easier question to ask would be. Who do you guys want on the podcast, whether it's someone directly involved in the sport right now or, you know, who would be a good get for someone who kind of that dream list that's that's out there? Um, you know, what names are floating out there? Hmm. Rich Roll. Yeah, I would say Rich Roll <laughs> for sure. Um, he, he doesn't return our emails yet. <laughs> we got to send it from the official account, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I think Rich it Roll for sure. Right? Obviously, I mean, I went back and listened to his uh, race report that he had uh, the race that him and Chris Hoth did and they did in 2017, obviously a stark contrast of uh, the weather situation that we had uh, this year. But, um, you know, I genuinely, Rich seems very into swim run and it, it, he seems really into it. And I don't think he, you know, uh, Adam, who we had Adam Skolnick, who he has on some of his shows, knows knows about it as well but i think it would be it seems like it would be fun for him just to just to chat only about swim run um for a bit there but um yeah that would probably be the top one that i can think of now do you think swim run continues uh in in you know obviously not to put 
too much pressure on on a guy like Rich's shoulders, even though maybe we should put more pressure onto his shoulders. But like, do you, do more people come in to swim run or hear about swim run? You know, when they hear about you know him, I know he just had Gordo on, who you guys mm-hmm. you know had Gordo yeah. on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they both talked about their experiences with swim run and you know what a great experience it was and wanting to have future experiences. You know, does that help our sport out as well when? You know, they're. I think the more people out. are telling stories about it. I think you know what. Uh, I don't know if it's coming back, but when um, LifeSports.se was out there interviewing people and just like helping share the stories. I mean, yeah, I, people are coming to the sport in a bunch of different ways. Some of it is through books. Some of it's through YouTube at two thirty in the morning. Some of it's through memes or whatever, or a buddy in their tri club. And I think um, it's just important to just. Just have as much information yeah. out for people to to be able to discover, it, and they make an intelligent decision about whether they want to do it or not. Um, and and so far, a lot of the people that have been putting out content consistently, I think, are doing it the right way and are really trying to grow the sport in mm-hmm. its sort of in, in its in its best putting its best foot forward in terms of being welcoming and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if Rich wanted to do, I think he's already done a lot. I'm sure a lot of his passive listeners at least know what Storm Run me- it, that it exists, which, yeah. is, which is something in and of itself. We're in the phase of like no, no press is bad press for Storm Run. Like any any awareness that you can drive is going to be good. And we know, and you know, Lars, you're not really going to have a bad time. Yeah. Like you just come out and you do it, you're, and you're sort of fit. You're going to have a good time out there. So. Uh, if it's Rich, if it's the Iron Cowboy who who also did Catalina, I know you're supposed to do uh, the World Champs as well, but I guess that fell through or whatever. But um, or if it's that uh, Katie, uh, the Katie, Katie, absolutely, yeah, the go the go ruck, uh, World Champion, Tough Mudder, Ultra Champion. Um, a lot of these sort of like tangential super athletes, uh, they have their own sort of eco chambers that they drive and if we can sort of start expanding the circle of swarm run through awareness of uh, with these other sort of tangential people that that's going to be one of the things i think that really helps that and yeah. more more actual races or places for people to go and do these events yeah um so ritual that was pretty unanimous um yeah. you know do, do you have another name out there that that would also that's on that kind of that hit list too or i mean yeah i mean for for me i mean we try to get anders malm yeah on one of the for a while four. so like i would love to tell like a very detailed like original four story and just like have that be i mean in many ways this show is just like a it's like a history <laughs> it's like a history collection device on some level because we want to tell some of these old stories we think they're interesting and you know, people should know the history of the sport and stuff like that. So I would really love to get either all four. I know one of them doesn't want anything to do with it, but get like a really detailed, like almost like you're writing like the history of swim run chapter mm-hmm. one. Like let's get that story and get all the flavor, all the, all the feelings about it. Um, I think that would be really great. Yeah. That, that, that is something that we've wanted to do for a bit too. Well, great. Well, you know, I think we answered a question that you guys typically wrap up your show with already, which is, you know, how can we, you know, help grow the sport? Um, but I'm going to ask it to you anyways, because, you know, I I know that you write awesome show notes as well, and we can <laughs> just go directly to it. But, you know, what what's one thing that, you know, we can all do to help grow the sport? 
I think, I mean, for just the average Joe or Jane, I think getting one person to just try it out with you and whether that's going to your local, you know, whatever, aquatic park for us in San Francisco, you know, just put a little shout out on Strava or your Instagram, just like, hey, come join me or find somebody who has a little niggle of interest and just grab that person. And then all you need to really do is have them do it once or twice or a couple legs or a couple transitions. And I feel like they'll understand and they'll get the bug. Like for me, that's, I've always kind of felt like you just got to, our job is to get them to do their first few steps. And once they get out of that first transition or two, the sport sells itself, so to speak. Uh, That's how we've always felt about it. Yeah. I mean, totally. I agree with that 100%. And I I would just kick it back to to the godfather of Swimrun, Andy Hewitt, like basically his rules of Swimrun, which he put on the back of his sweatshirts, which is like, number one, tell everyone about Swimrun. (laughs) Check. Check. Two, greet everyone you see while running. Three, stay with your teammate during runs and swims. Four, dog in and out of the swims. And five, no complaining ever. Like, I think if you just do what... Like, I may one have broke of, that like, last rule, though. Like, <laughs> one and two, if you can just do one and two of that and just, you know, like, we definitely experienced that in Aquatic Park where we train people, ask us, stop us and ask us questions all the time. And we're just like, sure, is it messing up our interval or whatever? We'll always stop and answer yeah. questions. And it's like, oh, you want to know why our zipper's in the front? We'll tell you. And I think if, if that's the attitude that everyone has and just really tries to make it as welcoming, as inclusive, as diverse, as accessible as possible. We'll be, we'll be just fine. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, as long as uh, chipper keeps taking those beer handouts from time to time in a race. I didn't even do one of those this year though. <laughs> I know it well, was opportunity. Didn't there, it didn't itself. present itself. I would have probably, <laughs> I think you, you popped a Coors at Casco Bay. One yeah. Year. Um, <laughs> You know, athletes, swim runners don't take themselves so seriously. You know, we're all eating Twix at the World Championships. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you guys have just been stewards of, of the sport. You know, 150 episodes in. Congratulations for that. Cheers. You know, I, I would love to be here to interview you guys at episode 300 Lord. Uh, or 500. <laughs> um, you know, but both of those. And, uh, you know, guys, thank you. We're just uh, week in, week out. We're We're looking forward to to hearing what you guys come up with next. So thanks for the time tonight and for sharing a, a small glimpse into, into your swim run journey, which we know is going to keep growing. Well, Lars, thanks, I mean, Lars. we have to thank you right back. I mean, yeah. you've been supportive of us since the beginning. You were picking up what we were putting down. I mean, we started this thing. It was like there was a swim run tent and we just crashed it. Uh, we just crashed the party with memes and shot and out of a thing. cannon though. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I mean, you were one of the first to be like, this is great. This is yeah. awesome. So thank you so much for supporting us through 150 episodes and however many extra and episodes and stuff. And and uh, yeah, we're big fans of, of Odyssey. And yeah, thank you. Yeah. Duh. Yeah, well, there's uh, there's room on the uh, the boat the next time we go out to Catalina as well. So uh, <laughs> where is that thing uh, right? docked at anyway? Do- docked in Long Beach, just waiting for him to put it back on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, guys. Thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thank you. that's it for this week's episode thanks so much for listening to the show make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review since that's the best way to help other people discover the show and the support of swim run sign up for a newsletter at lowtideboys.com that's boys with a z and check out our meme page at the low tide boys on instagram if you have any suggestions for the show or questions for us send us a dm or an email at lowtideboys at gmail.com
We'd like to thank Riding Easy Records for our show music and, of course, our wives for their support and tolerance of all our swim run activities, podcast, and other stuff. Yeah, other stuff. Other way stuff. To, way to keep it PG. Finally, you can support our efforts on Patreon. Until next time, get out there and go for a swim. Go for a run. Then another swim. Then another run. And then another swim. And then another run. And then just keep going. Until you're done. Until you're done. Or maybe can't stop stop. all stuff. (laughs) 